Well, would you open your Bibles to Luke uh, chapter 11? And today we're actually uh, launching the start of our brand new series, biannual series on 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, it's important for us for this new year to really uh, reset, uh, renew our commitment to the Lord. You know, um, as a pastor, there's a lot of privileges that I enjoy, um, like um, baby um, dedication or marrying people um, and, you know, officiating weddings and stuff. But one of my favorites is a renewal of vows because it just reminds me knowing what you know now about the person that you married. It's like they're making a commitment. Yes, I would do it all over again. I do again. And what I love about having this rhythm twice a year of prayer and fasting, knowing what we know about God, knowing what we know about Jesus, that we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, we'd say, yes, I want more of Him. Renew my passion, Lord. Renew, reset my fervor, O oh Lord God. Renew my, my heart and my mind so that I could love you more. That I want to disconnect from the world by fasting, but I'm going to connect to you, God, through prayer and through your word. So in Luke chapter 11, if we go and turn there, uh, this is one of the more... Um, misunderstood passages that Jesus talks about uh, prayer. Um, it's most, one of the most misinterpreted parables that Jesus taught because uh, verses 1 through 5, uh, the disciples asked Jesus, uh, this is Luke's account, this is not the Sermon on the Mount on Matthew 5, on the Lord's Prayer per se, but this is the disciples asking Jesus, hey, could you teach us how to pray? how John uh, taught his disciples how to pray. And so Jesus teaches them how to pray, um, kind of the, the Lord's Prayer. But immediately after that, in verse 5, he tells them a parable about prayer. And there's a, there's a simple um, idea here that's misunderstood and misinterpreted and I believe that Jesus wants his followers to um, add this aspect to their prayer life and it's this idea of shameless audacity that's right have a shameless audacity when it comes to our prayer life when we, when we go before God in prayer one aspect or one way that we approach God is in the position of beggar, of having no, um, in, in Tagalog, it's called walang uh, hiya. Wala meaning no, hiya means shame, having no shame before God. When my kids were about five or six years old, uh, Judah and Noah, having very little sense of social cues and uh, self-awareness, <clears throat> My older brother, who was not married at that time, uh, would ask them, Hey, Judah Noah. Uh, you know, he was like the bachelor uh, uncle, and he was the fun uncle, the funkle. <laughs> and they, they asked, he asked them, Hey, what do you guys want for Christmas? You know, I could um, 
having no kids yet, he's like, yeah, I'll send you guys over books from Amazon and stuff like that. And <clears throat> my kids were like, ah, we don't want books. The books are boring. Uh, we want a hundred dollars. I'm like, oh my gosh, how embarrassing. These guys have like no shame. And I had, you know, after the whole thing was over, I'm like, no, 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 don't say it. Send them books. They'll be, you know, anything is a, is a grace and a gift. And, uh, you know, my brother in his kindness and grace, you know, sent us a hundred dollar gift card each for each one of the kids for Amazon. But, um, I set the kids aside. He's like, hey, guys, there's a Tagalog word that I want you to learn. It's called walang hiya. It's like, no shame. You can't go around and just shamelessly ask people for money, your uncle for money and cash, you know, when he's willing to offer you something. You, you know, having no regards or uh, for, you know, etiquette or uh, tactfulness or anything like that. Um, or politeness and, and gratitude, you got to have a little bit more uh, shame <laughs> and consideration when you know people ask you for gifts. Now, uh, Jesus, he talks about um, having audacity, a shameless audacity in our prayer. Let's go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 11. We'll start on verse 5. This is from the NIV version. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend. You go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, hey, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. This is the word of the Lord. Um, words don't have meaning as much as they have use or uses. In other words, words mean what we use them to mean. Do you guys know that uh, the word scan originally in the dictionary in 1540, it meant to look closely or examine minutely as a verb, as a noun in 1706, it meant a close investigation to scan, to close, close investigation. But by 1926, it changed meaning to mean to look over quickly or just to skim through. Remember taking those tests in uh, junior high or high school, this, you know, Scantron, it just scans, it just skims through it. But originally it meant to examine and to look something close, closely. Now, if, um, if you were a noblewoman in the 17th century, and you go to a ball with uh, dignitaries and the upper class and you enter the room and everyone comments, wow, she looks awful. 
you would have taken it as a compliment because awful in the 17th century meant that you're awe-inspiring. You're full of awe, you, that you inspired awe, and that you were beautiful and magnificent. But now, if you tell a bride or your prom date she looks awful, you better learn how to duck, right? Um, change, words change, change over, over time. Words mean what we use them to mean. Now, uh, the problem in Luke chapter 11, uh, verses 5 through 8, is this word that um, the NIV translates as shameless audacity, is this uh, Greek word, anaideia. It's uh, what scholars call a hapax legomenon, meaning it only occurs one time in the whole Bible. And... Um, Everywhere else during that time in Greek language, not in the Bible, but this word anedai, it means shamelessness, and it always carried a negative connotation. Now, when the scribes <clears throat> or those who interpreted the Bible from Greek to um, English or to Latin, they saw this word and I die and they couldn't compare it. They didn't compare it to extra biblical literature. And they said, oh, that's a negative connotation. Jesus wants shamelessness and it's a negative thing. So they said, you know what? No, it's persistence. So like the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version, it would say that because of this man's persistence instead of shameless audacity. Now, uh, the context of this has nothing to do with persistence, like, it, like what it does in Luke 18. But the context has everything to do with um, this culture of shame and honor. Uh, to understand this parable, we have to appreciate the, the certain aspects of first century cultural expectation. The first is this, that food wasn't readily available during that time. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Give us today our daily bread. So usually each day before preservatives and all these different things um, and additives were added to, to bread to make them last longer. Bread back then, they, you, families would just break, bake enough bread just for that day. And usually running out would be a, a, a common issue, especially if you are not expecting guests. But the second is that the culture held high... Uh, regard for hospitality, that if, if somebody were to come in, a stranger, that you would welcome them, especially if they were to ask for water, you provide water. And to not give water, especially in the desert, in the ancient Near East, first century Palestine, um, that would mean like you're almost sentencing them to die. <laughs> what Jesus is trying to say in this story is that When we come before God, we need to have this aspect of um, shamelessness and this boldness and audacity and ask God in prayer. <clears throat> and I'm getting my two points uh, this morning from uh, David Crump, who wrote a, a book called Knocking on Heaven's Door, A New Testament Theology on Pet Petitionary Prayer. 
And would you write this down? Here's the first point. God is always graciously disposed to hear every request. Let me repeat that. God is always graciously disposed. God's disposition, God's default is one of grace. He wants to hear every request. And if you're taking down notes, you could uh, write in there boldness. That when we pray before God, we need to come with boldness. Never shrink away from asking God in prayer. But we need to come to God with confidence. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 15 through 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Verse 16, because we have Jesus, our high priest, who empathizes with our weakness, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Other translations say boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When we go before the Lord, because Jesus understands the gamut of human experience, because Jesus walked in our skin and walked in our shoes, He's our high priest who understands, we could go before God with confidence. We could approach our Savior with boldness. You know, Max Locato, he, he wrote a devotional called Praying Audacious Prayers. When Martin Luther um, had a co-worker who was ill, the reformer prayed boldly for the healing. It says, I besought, and this is um, Martin Luther's prayer, I besought the Almighty with great vigor, he wrote. I attacked him with his own weapons quoting from Scripture all the promises I could remember that prayers should be granted and said, and He must grant my prayer if I was henceforth to put faith in His promises. On another occasion, his good friend Frederick Mycenaeus was sick, and Martin Luther wrote to him and said, I command thee in the name of God to live because I still have need of thee in the work of reforming the church. The, war, the Lord will never let me hear that thou art dead, but will permit thee to survive me, for I am praying this is my will and my will be done because I seek only to glorify the name of God. Do you see Martin Luther's prayer? He's praying with, he prays with shamelessness and boldness. He's like, man, no, I'm praying that God will let you live. Because we, um, we need to reform the church for the sake of God's glory. There's another man, his name is John Wesley, where we have the Wesleyan or the Methodist movement, the Wesley brothers. He was crossing the Atlantic Ocean and contrary winds came up. He was reading in his cabin when he became aware of some confusion on board. When he learned that the winds were knocking the ship off the course, he responded in prayer. A colleague of his, Adam Clark, heard the prayer and wrote down John Wesley's prayer. He says, Almighty and everlasting God, Thou hast sway everywhere 
and all things serve the purpose of thy will. Thy, thou holdest the winds in thy fist and sittest upon the water floods and reignest a king forever. Command these winds and these waves that they obey thee and take us speedily and safely to the haven whither we would go. Wesley stood up from his knees. He took his books and continued to read. Dr. Clark went on deck where he found calm winds and the ship went back on course. But Wesley made no remark about the answered prayer. Clark wrote, so fully did he expect to be heard that he took it for granted that he was heard. I think audacity and shameless audacity, the Greek word is um, Anadeia. Anadeia, like it's a missing aspect in our prayer life. This 21 days of prayer and fasting, like how desperate are you for the presence of God to overtake a situation? How desperate are, are you? How desperate am I for God to, that we come before God with boldness and shameless audacity? And it's like, Lord, if you don't heal this person, God, these people won't believe in you for the sake of your glory. And then you begin to quote scripture. It's like, Jesus, you said that for, you know, uh, that this man, uh, he was born lame, but it wasn't because of anybody's sin, but it was for the glory of God. So for the sake of your glory, Lord, would you heal this person? I think desperation plays a... Uh, it strips us of our sense of um, shame when, we, when we're desperate enough for the presence of God, when we're desperate enough for the movement of God, when we're desperate enough that His name would be made holy, His kingdom would come, His will be done, we, we approach God with boldness. You know, a couple years ago, about three years ago, there was this, uh, Renee and I were... Uh, on our way to do a double date uh, with some church members and it seemed like an ordinary Friday night so we got dressed up you know it was a Friday so Saturday is rubbish day so we you know we put out the trash for the following day and uh, we headed out to Miley's Thai Bistro in Hawaii Kai and all of a sudden it just started downpouring like super super bad and then our, our phones, everybody's phones in the place started going off. There, there was a flash flood. And we look and there was, it was started flooding. And actually the, the ceiling and the roof of Miley's, it started leaking. They started having buckets. And, you know, it, it started raining pretty bad. We got a phone call to come home. And so we, we trekked our way home. It's like, I think we could do it. And um, God bless his heart. My dad, he, he gave us a like an old 1997 uh, sedan. And um, as we were driving um, the, through the flood in Kalani Anaole Highway, it, uh, it's, the lights started going like a Christmas tree, the dashboard, and we're about three or 400 yards from home and the car completely died. 
and I opened the door and man, the, the flood was all the way up uh, past our knees. Car, you know, water just entered into the car. I'm like, oh my goodness, what the heck? And we're trying to push the car out, but we're, we're going up you know, to Kulio'o Valley and then the rain and the momentum, the current was going down and so we couldn't even move it. So we became desperate. So we started back, we actually saw um, one of our neighbors. He said, hey, bro, leave your car there. Just go home. It's like, we're not going to leave our car in the middle. You know, what if people need to come in and out? Our car is right in the middle of the, of the road. And so we started banging on our um, neighbor's door and uh, our neighbor you know, he, we could, as I was knocking, I could hear the office theme music. It was Netflix night. And he came out, like, you know, and uh, he's like, oh, shucks, <laughs> it's raining bad. He goes, hey, could you help us out? So I called my other neighbor and we pushed the car like 300 yards. And it was almost like 10, 10 o'clock at night. But we were so desperate you know, to be home with our kids. We came home and our, our dog, we, she, uh, he sleeps on a crate and he was up to here and he almost died um, stuck in his crate uh, because of the flood. All that to say is that we were so desperate that we were willing to be bold and it's like, have no shame, right? Have no shame, knock on our neighbor's door and, and just um, ask for help. And, and God invites us in Luke, after teaching on the pair, uh, the teaching his disciples how to pray, he teaches this, them this parable that suppose you come and you knock on your neighbor's house. And it's like, hey, I have a friend coming over. It's at midnight. And you go to his house. And, you, you know, your neighbor's like, the homeowner's like, hey, what are you doing? You're waking up my family. And for those who have, of us who have kids, especially young kids, man, and especially young parents, when you have, when your kids are asleep, it's like your downtime, right? And uh, during that time, uh, they probably lived in one uh, single bedroom uh, shelter. They probably all slept together. So it probably woke up the whole home, the whole family. It's like, you're asking for bread? I'm not going to give you, even though you're my friend, I'm not going to give you bread, Jesus said in this parable. But Jesus said, but because of your shameless audacity, you have the audacity, you have the 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 gall to to wake me up, wake my family up at midnight, ask for three loaves of bread. Okay, fine, I'll give it to you. And this is an illustration of what prayer is sometimes. When we have nowhere else to turn, where we're so um, thirsty for God's movement, we're so hungry for His presence, that we're willing to be undignified and be shameful in order, especially the context of this is petitionary prayer, meaning this man, he was being, he was um, 
being shameful and being audacious and he had this audacity for his friend to give him food. And so, number two, would you write this down? We'll wrap this up. We are free to approach God at any time without hesitation. So not only are we to approach God with boldness, but we're also to approach prayer with shamelessness. The parable has nothing to do about persistence or the power of asking repeatedly. He didn't keep knocking and knocking. He didn't keep asking, please get up, please get up. He just asked him one time. This shameless neighbor asked once and his request was heard and it was answered, although it was begrudgingly. But by remembering that we are dealing here with um, a fortiori argument. A fortiori in, in Latin, it just means um, from less to greater. Okay, It's in the same as um, in Judaism, uh, scribes and Pharisees, they would call it kal uh, vamoher, which means from light to heavy. Um, later on, it's going to, Jesus explains what this is. He goes, hey, which one of you fathers, light and heavy, if your son asks for fish, will you give him a snake? If he asks for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? He's like, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your father or to your children, how much more? Here's light, here's greater. Okay, our fortiori or kalvamu uh, here in Hebrew. Now, if we're dealing here with um, a light than heavy, we can deduce Jesus' lesson. If this sleeping neighbor responds to his friend's shamelessness, how much more may we depend on God not only to hear our prayers and to respond freely, but to never consider our coming as shameless? How much more would your Heavenly Father, He's not going to consider it shameless when we ask Him for help. Um, earlier uh, this week, I had some food poisoning, and man, it was terrible. Like I, I vomited like three separate times at one, one, one a.m., three a.m., um, eight a.m. in the morning, and each time as I'm in agonizing pain, I feel like I got a six pack from it. But uh, I was like, "Oh Jesus, help me! Oh Jesus, I need you." Oh, God, please heal me. God is not bothered or is not inconvenienced by what time you call on Him. There's no such thing as an inopportune moment with God, nor is there an inappropriate manner of approach. God is not offended or dishonored by conduct or by honor of shame, what we, what the culture is considered hateful. There's a, a good shamelessness here. We are extended to an open invitation to enter God's presence, bringing our needs at any time, day or night, regardless of our disposition, disposition or manner of request, knowing that our Father always hears us. Do you know that, um, depending on how you count, Jesus asked 
about 200 to 300 questions in the New Testament. And one of the most one of the more important ones, I believe, is um, he he does it twice in Matthew, but he asks people, "What do you want me to do for you?" Let's look at Mark chapter 10, verse 51. Many rebuked him. This is um, Bartimaeus, who was blind. And many told him to be quiet. But you see here, Bartimaeus shouted all the more. He was, sh- he was shameless. He was bold. He was audacious. He, he said, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. And said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak on the side, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. There was this sense of shamelessness that people told him, hey, be quiet, leave Jesus alone. But he's like, no, son of David, save me. And Jesus approaches him and says, what do you want me to do for you? And I believe these 21 days of prayer and fasting, it's an invitation by God to you and to me. Jesus is asking us, what do you want me to do for you? Be bold, be shameless, be audacious. What's the desire of your heart? Um, You know, prayer is a mystery because prayer, you know, it could do two things. One is that prayer can change the petitioner's heart or petitioner's will to the will of God, where you pray um, for what God wants and your heart changes. But prayer could also do the opposite. It could do the other thing where you pray and, re- and God responds to your prayer and God does something that he, w- he would not have done if we didn't pray. James says, you have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you, have, you ask with the wrong motives. Things would not have happened in this world if the people of God do not, did not pray. If you look through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, it's just peppered with people who have the sense of shamelessness before God. Yet Jacob wrestling with God all day and all night, it's like, I will not let you go until you bless me. He had Hannah weeping day and night, barren in her barren state, asking for a son. You had the Canaanite woman. And Jesus said, hey, it's like, please, where he asked, requested Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, you know what? Uh, I, I've come for the lost sheep of Israel. You know, I did not come for the dogs and, and the woman's. But even if there's leftovers, if the bread falls on the ground, the dogs are able to eat it. And Jesus says, man, you have such a great faith. When you... Think about the woman with the issue of bleeding. He's like, man, if I just touch his cloak. And this morning, when we come before God, believing 
approach him with confidence, but also have no shame. Like the Lord knows what you want, but he wants you to say it like my son, you know, my kids, um, uh, dad, uh, you know what? Never mind. You're busy. Uh, dad, uh, you know, uh, you're going to say no. I'm like, no, what is it? I want to hear. Tell me. Oh, could you drive me and my, could you, you know, pick up my friends and drive us to Sandy's? I'm like, sure. Yeah, I'd love to. You're my son. And my prayer for us this 21 days is um, that we would have that sense of desperation and boldness to ask God in prayer. So maybe some of us right now are believing for miraculous healing. There's a gentleman who joined us Stage four cancer is like, nah, man. I told the doctor, God's gonna heal me and he's gonna heal me. You watch. I'm like, man, that's what I'm talking about. Some of you are, are praying for financial dis- a breakthrough. Maybe it's a job, uh, it's loss of income. But pray and ask God. He invites us to come. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time where. You invite us, Lord, to enter in to your kingdom. Father, I pray, Lord, uh, for your people, that you would just stir in us that hunger, that thirst, O Lord God, for more of you. That we'd be able to put our pride aside, our sense that we become undignified, (laughs) like King David, Lord, for for the sake, Lord, of having more of you. For the sake, Lord God, that you would intercede, that you would heal, that you would save, Lord, the things that maybe we've been praying for for years. God is, we're, we're right there. God, um, Lord, you, you hear our prayers and we're in the verge of breakthrough, Lord God, of an answered prayer. So, Father, I pray right now, Lord God, that you would fill your people with your presence. Fill your people, Lord God, with confidence as we approach you because you are a high priest who understands. So, Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.